I'm sure you've noticed that there are some things that are worth repeating. And we do that a lot when they're valuable to us. Uh, good books, uh, we read them again. Uh, great recipes, we prepare them again. Uh, great movies, uh, we watch them again. And some of you over these weeks, you have watched those same movies over and over and over again. I probably could walk up to you and you give me one line and I would be able to give you back a line or vice versa and uh, some things are just worth repeating like good advice and a lot of you have uh, things that you've heard your dad say or your mom say or your granddad say and you can repeat them back to people and you even say like my dad always said or like my grandfather always said or like my grandmother always said and we say that because some things are just worth repeating. This morning I want to ask you to open your Bibles to the New Testament book of 2 Peter. Uh, you've got to go pretty far back into the New Testament to find that letter uh, written by Simon Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. But let's find that in our Bibles this morning and you will see that this very principle of repeating things, reminding people of things, was a part of the way that Simon Peter ministered to people who knew Jesus Christ. And I want to call your attention to how he wrote about that. Let's look together in 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 12, as I, in a way, prepare to remind you of some things today. Uh, verse 12, 2 Peter chapter 1, Therefore, I intend always... To remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it right, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. The Apostle Peter was willing to remind these followers of Christ over and over and over again of some very essential facts of the Christian faith. He, in essence, was saying, I'm making a commitment to repeat some things to you. In fact, the word there where it says, therefore, I intend always to remind you, was a Greek word that carried with it a deep sense of conviction, a, a deep sense of commitment, where he was saying, on purpose, intentionally, you may be saying, we've heard that before, we've heard that before, it's locked into my soul. Simon Peter saying, that's a win, uh, that's a goal, I've, I've, I've heard that before. When I think about that, I think there's probably times where you maybe say, Pastor Carlos, you keep saying some of these same things over and over again. And I'm learning that that's, that's a, a biblical pattern. Uh, that's why you see different things said again and again in Scripture. Some essentials that God wants us to know and wants us to be able to repeat. And you might even be able to say, I could preach that sermon, Pastor Carlos. And that reminds me of a story that I laugh at from time to time through the years about a man who uh, would travel all over the country and he would give lectures. 
And he would give the same lecture over and over again, regardless of what city he was in. And uh, when he would travel, he had a driver, and this driver would get him to that city. And uh, he would get out with his coat and tie on. He'd go in and give the talk, and they'd pay him thousands of dollars, get back in the car, and his chauffeur or his driver would get him to the next spot. And um, one day, the driver for him just was bitter. He said, life's just not fair. And the guy he was working with, he said, I, I don't understand. What do you mean? He says, I drive you all over the country. You give the same talk over and over again. You get paid thousands of dollars. I get paid hundreds of dollars. I've heard this so many times. I could put on your suit, and I could just walk in and give the same talk myself, and I could get paid those thousands of dollars. And the guy he was driving around said, I'll take you up on it. Let's do it. And so they got to their next city, and uh, they swapped clothes, and the normal speaker went in, sat down on the back of the, row, back of the room, just like his driver usually did, and his driver and his suit got up in front of the room, and he delivered the address, and when he finished the talk, the crowd gave thunderous applause, and they, they thought it was an amazing speech, and then one person stood in the room to ask a question. And the man looked at him and called on him to ask the question. And the person asking the question said these words, Could you explain to me the impact of cells that uh, mutate due to the application of biohydrosol silver on the immune system? The man looked back at that person and stared at him. Then he glanced in the back of the room then he looked back at that person again, and then he took a deep breath, and he said, that's the simplest question I've ever had to deal with in my life. I can't believe you'd even take the time to ask it. It has a very clear answer, and just to show you how easy it is to respond to that question, I want to call on the driver that brought me here tonight in the back of the room to stand and uh, answer that question for me. Well, a thousand empty seats are laughing right now with me in this room. Uh, you may think today that uh, you could give this talk that I'm about to give. Honestly, uh, there are not many sermons that I actually repeat. Uh, it, it's been something that uh, I have not felt comfortable doing. Probably in 20 years here, there's not been more than three sermons that I've preached what I would say uh, again and again and again. That's probably more of a pride confession than anything. I'm probably thinking someone would say, I'm lazy if I do that, and maybe they would come up. You know how the line goes. You only work one day a week anyway. Surely you can come up with something new. Uh, but I did read recently that R.G. Lee, a great preacher in the uh, 20th century, preached his sermon, Payday Sunday, over 1,200 times. I don't think there'll ever be a day when I'll preach a single sermon 1,200 times. But this morning, I want to actually go back and share with you real close a message that I shared with our church family the first Sunday of August in 2019. Uh, we were in a series called Boarding Now. As I prayed this week about what we should be looking at in God's Word again and again and again, I came back to those words, those thoughts that I shared as we kicked off the fall. As we began to think about regathering again as a church family on property, I think it's critical for us to understand what it looks like, what it means for us to be connected 
to a local church. And I said this back in August. I've said it since then. I want to say it again this morning. Our church, the church, is not a place you go to. It is a people that you go with. I'll say it again. Uh, The church, our church, is not a place that we go to. Uh, Our church is a people that we go with. And I'm asking you today, if you check out right now, you walk off the porch, walk out of the room, you come back in in 30 minutes, this is what I'm going to be asking you at the end. I'm going to ask you today, will you make a fresh commitment? Will you raise the bar again to go with our church not go to our church but to go with our church some of you today would be uh, watching as a high school senior you're graduating you're thinking about the fall and maybe by the fall you'll be able to get out of the home you'll be able to uh, head on and do your life and I want you to listen really close today and I want you to hear again the importance of Even though you move out of the home or you move to a new environment, a new city, a new town, will you see the importance of going with a church somewhere where you're living? Not go to a church, but will you go with a church? Some of you are graduating from college and you're you're on out of Athens. You're out to another place. And I'm, I'm calling on you today, wherever you're landing in our world, to... To have right at the top of the priority list a body of believers, a a, a church that you're going with. And many of you, uh, in in what is a real blessing in my heart, very encouraging in my heart, have begun to join with our church by just listening in these days online. Uh, You haven't necessarily been on property with us. You, You... could not drive here if you had to. Your connection with our churches, uh, with these online venues. I want to encourage you. I, I would encourage you to figure out a way to continue to go with our church. I think we'll keep doing uh, services like this online. But maybe there's a local church right where you live that you could go with. Maybe there are ways that you can become even more involved with our church in these days ahead as we began to regather on our property. In this time this morning, what I want to do is to remind you to say again, to repeat these words again, how beautiful the local church is. And I, and I want to offer you some things about the local church that, that I believe we can love, that we can celebrate, uh, that stirs our heart and, and says, that's why I'm so thankful for my local church, my local body of believers, for these people that I am connected with. I, I want to uh, just identify some of these. And if I had to read another text what I'd have to do today is read Acts 1 through 28. Not verses 1 through 28, but 28 chapters in the book of Acts. Because what I will say to you over the next 15 minutes about the local church is 
really lifted right out of what we see growing and developing in the book of Acts of the New Testament. Let me just start here. What is there to love about the local church? Number one, I love the metaphors. I love the metaphors of the local church. And some people say there are six of those. Some people say three. I want to give you four definite metaphors that we see. And by metaphor, just meaning here here are things that are used in God's word to represent who the church is, who she is. The first metaphor scripture uses, I'd call your attention to, is the word family. In 1 Timothy 3.15 and 1 Peter 4.17, you have this uh, reference to the church being like a family. That's why we think about brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, that's why in some environments you say, hey brother, hey sister, there's no blood kin except the blood of Jesus Christ. But we identify uh, with brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ. We, we are children of God. We pray to a heavenly Father, there's a metaphor of the local church being like family. There's also a metaphor in Scripture of the local church being like the bride. Uh, this, uh, the, the, the body, uh, the, 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 the church is like a bride. You see this in Ephesians where you, give, you have this teaching moment on marriage of how the husband is to love the wife like Christ loved the church when he gave his life up for On the cross, you have the the picture there of of the bride submitting to her husband, a picture of the church submitting to Christ. There's this picture of the bride in Revelation. You have this picture of the great wedding banquet that will take place when all believers come home to heaven and there's this great wedding feast and celebrating the bride, the church, coming together with the groom, Jesus Christ. So there's the family the bride, and there's the body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the church is referred to as the body of Christ. Jesus is recognized in the word as the head of the church. The pastor's not the head. The deacons aren't the head. The, the, the elders are not the head. The, the oldest member's not the head. The picture in scripture that we get of the church is that the head of the body of Christ, the head of the church of Christ is Jesus Christ himself. In this metaphor, we see that the members of the body of Christ are referred to as the hands that serve, the feet that go, uh, the, the legs, the arms, the toes, the ears, the nose, the eyes. We, this picture is given of spiritual gifts, how they work in the body of Christ to build the body up. Every member of the body important for us physically. And he shows how every member of the body of Christ spiritually is important. And the last metaphor I'd call your attention to is building. Building in 1 Corinthians 3.16, 1 Peter 2.4, it speaks of the temple of God. And the, the, the church is like a building with living stones. You are, as a follower of Jesus Christ, a living stone in the church. And stone upon stone upon stone is being built together as the building of Christ. I love the metaphors. Within those metaphors, we locally speak about certain similes that help us understand what our church is like. When we speak about the metaphors of the body or the bride or the 
family or the building. We like to say locally that our church is like a river. Or our church is like an aircraft carrier. We say aircraft carrier because we say we come together once a week and we come in and we land and we refuel, we freshen up, we get what we need and we go back out into the world on mission again. And I'm like you, I'm ready for us to land back on this property again real soon and refuel, encourage one another, lift each other up, then go back out again on mission We also speak a lot about this place being like a river. And we see it over and over again. As people uh, pass through here like a river passes through a village. And people kind of touch base here a little bit with the the shores of this town, with this body of believers. And uh, get a taste of what's going on here. And we get to know each other, love one another, encourage one another, equip one another. And then we, the, the river moves on. And we've seen that even in these recent days with the uh, news that our executive pastor, Sean Mills, and his wife, Sarah, and son, Ty, will be moving and leaving, going to be a pastor at another church in Arkansas to lead them there. What is that? Well, it, 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 it grieves us. It's, it's hard because we love them so much. But it's also a picture of what we see over and over again of people passing through here, tasting the life of a local church, and then going on somewhere else, God having purposes and plans for their life. Now, what I love is when that river comes back. And sometimes we get the joy of that as well. And I, I, there's, there's uh, no greater example of that than what happened just a, a few days ago. We had the a Mother's Day giveaway, and mothers would drive through in the parking lot. We'd give them a gift, and, and I watched as I handed gifts to these moms And I began to notice how many of those moms that I actually knew when they were college students here in Athens. And and here they had come first to be a part of our church family in college girls Bible study or college Bible study or here in worship. And we got to know them. Then they met their future husband and they would go away to a job or to a place. And now God's brought them back and they're living here. I love it when the river returns. On our own staff here. Uh, We have the joy of seeing Lawton Jones come through here as a college student for four years and serve and grow. And then he went out and went to seminary and served other churches and and married and had kids. And the Lord's brought him back to be our discipleship pastor. So it's a picture of the, the simile of what happens within a local church as we live and breathe and thrive as the Lord's church. I love the metaphors and the similes within it. Secondly, I love the mission. I think you can love the mission of what our church is. Our mission. Do you know it? Can you say by heart still what the mission of our church is? Now, we believe the purpose of our church is to bring glory to God. That's that's why we exist. That's our purpose. What about our mission? Our mission as a local church is to bring glory to God by what? By Can you fill it in? I'll tell you what. If you, right now, you could text me. The first person that could text my phone, 706-255-3504, what the mission of our church is, the first one I get, I'm going to mail you a free Chick-fil-A card for a free Chick-fil-A sandwich, right? Can you do that? What about this? What is our mission? Our mission is to make wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. 
You know what one of the beautiful things is about this time while we've been separated is that our mission hasn't stopped. We're still making wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. You're discipling your kids. You're discipling your friends. Uh, you're sharing the gospel. You're ministering to people. You're going into the world that you're allowed to live and operate in right now. And you are teaching the word. Our, our mission of making wholehearted followers of Christ comes right out of Matthew 28. Do you know just kind of within our, our mission what our values are? There are four of those. Four key words. Uh, maybe we don't say these quite as much. It's certainly the way we operate. And I tell you what, if there's someone watching right now that could text me, what the four words are that describe our key values. I, I'll do this. I will, I will hand deliver to you a box of hot Krispy Kreme donuts. Now, if it requires a flight, it's going to be a few weeks. But uh, if I can drive to you, I'm going to bring them to you. And uh, what are those four words? Can you get it? Um, I, let's see, what about three of the four? What two of the four? One of the four. Here are the four words that describe our values for us accomplishing our mission. The word, the word of God. The word, relationships, generations, and mission. We value the word of God. We value relationships with one another. We value generations. We, we are a church family made up of multiple generations, all age spectrum. We are a church on mission. The word, relationships, generations, and mission. We live sent. And those values are still serving us as we live on mission even during these days. There are the metaphors. There's the mission. There's also the means. How do we do this? We don't do it just out of skill. We don't do it because we took a course we're not able to do church because we have a certain level of experience or certain level of talent. The way we see lives become wholehearted followers of Christ is that we have the means of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the power of God. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus told the disciples, he says, You go and you wait and you will be my witnesses and you will receive power. You will receive power. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that works within us, lives within us by faith. When I'm preaching today to an empty room and I'm trying to figure out, Lord, are you doing anything? All I got is the hope that the Holy Spirit somehow through wires and the atmosphere and signals that the Holy Spirit is taking the word of God and applying it to the heart of people. And they're being changed. That's our means. That's our hope. Also, love the message. Uh, there are the metaphors of the church. There's the mission of the church. There's the means of the church. There's also the message of the church. We don't have to make it up. We don't have to dream it up. We don't have to come up with something new and fancy. We don't have to come up with something more cultured. Um, we don't have to come up with something more civilized, something more educated. Here's our message. The Apostle Paul called it the gospel. 
And he believed in the power of the gospel because it had power to save. What is the gospel? Jesus Christ lived, he died, he was buried, and on the third day he rose again. That's the good news. The bad news is, is that I've sinned and I'm separated from God. The good news is the message of the gospel that Jesus Christ came and he lived a sinless life. He died on a cross. He shed his blood. He gave his life in our place. He satisfied the wrath of God. He has redeemed us, ransomed us. And by faith in him as the one who died for us and the one who has risen and alive today, our sins can be forgiven. If you believe that message, you could today. I call out to Jesus right now and just tell him, Lord, I have sinned. I, I, I am separated from God. I need hope. I need something to cling to. All, all this talk around me about death and end times. And is this what the book of Revelation is talking about? You're saying, I need hope. I got good news. It's the best news. You can be forgiven. You can have a home in heaven. You can have life here abundant. And you can have life forever eternal. Ask Jesus to save you today. In your home. In your boat. On your deck. In your car. Just ask him. Forgive you and save you. It's the power of the gospel. You have the greatest message. Well. Let me say also to you that I love her members. The body of Christ, the family of Christ, those who make up the the body, that's you, that's me. The members of this body, those who connect here, makes me love the local church. It makes me love what we call the church. Now, we're different. It's one of the beautiful things. Beautiful things, how we can be so different in our taste. And whether it's food or music or cars, some like the beach, some like the mountains. Some love staying at home in these days. Some are going crazy. Uh, Some love football. Some love working on computers. Uh, Some people love barbecue. And some people are messed up and don't. But still, we, we, we have differences. But through the banner of Christ and the name of Christ, the, the, the members of his body, we come together. And the way that we can love one another so well is because Jesus Christ has loved us so well. This past um, week, on a night this past week, Carla and I got together with another couple in our church. Uh, Judd and Amy Harper are, are moving. They've been here for 18 years. Members of our church family, dear friends of ours, our kids have grown up. And we met for dinner this past week. We got food to go at Brett's. And we sat in the parking lot there at Brett's. And we spaced our chairs six feet apart. And we sat there from about 6 o'clock until well past dark. And uh, we laughed together. We cried together. We prayed together. When we finished that night and said goodbye to them, I was trying to 
put into words what that night had meant to me. And I posted these words on Twitter that I want to share with you because I believe it, it gives the picture of what it looks like to love the members of a church. I said this, tonight my wife and I shared a meal with another couple in a parking lot six feet apart. They moved Saturday 10 hours north. We ate, laughed, cried, prayed, and said goodbye six feet apart. But after 18 years of church, kids, and life together, we did one more thing. We hugged. Yes, we did. I share that just it's probably the sentiment that you have uh, with, with so many others that you're connected to with the church. of This incredible gift of grace that God has given to us of one another. And the church affords that to us. We, we need each other. We need multiple generations. We need uh, people that are walking this life together to do what Hebrews tells us, Hebrews 10, for us to be able to encourage one another in a day where there's so many opportunities to shrink back. Now, here's the seventh thing that there is to love about the church, and that's the ministry of the church. The ministry of the church. And this is the opportunity that we have using our gifts and talents and experiences to serve each other, to meet needs, to check on one another, to encourage one another. Just this week, somebody knocked on my door and they were standing there with a little plastic bag of homemade cheese straws. And they said, hey, Pastor Carlos, just wanted you to know we love you and we're praying for you and we're thankful for you. And I thought, Lord, just, just pierced my heart with incredible encouragement. Many of you, I've watched you, I've seen you, I've heard of you, of how you've gone to your neighbors. You've sewn masks by the hundreds. You've delivered food. You've taken meals. You've prayed hours upon hours. For That's the picture of the work of the church ministering to one another. I'll mention one more to you in the last one. You know what I love about the church? I love the meeting. <laughs> And more than I've realized, obviously, in my life, I realized that one of the things that I love so much about the church, the body, the bride, the building, the, the family, is us meeting together. And you see this in Scripture. As you read through the New Testament book of Acts, you see them from chapter 1 all the way through to chapter 28. Them coming together in one accord, coming together in unity, meeting in the upper room, meeting in, from house to house, meeting in the courtyards of the synagogue, wherever they could find a place to gather. They kept coming together. And that really is what the church here is on this earth. It is the visible representation of the kingdom of God. It is believers coming together. Here on this property that I'm preaching in, we haven't built buildings for attraction. Uh, we're, we're, we're not trying to build some site here that's so attractional that people will come and see. Uh, we've built buildings to accommodate. We've built buildings as a tool. We've built buildings for us to be able to gather in, to give us the opportunity to hear the word and encourage one another and allow the river to flow through here. 
what we're doing online right now. It helps us. It's what we have. But it's incomplete. There's got to be a way for us to come back together. And I believe there will be that day. And this isn't the time where I'm working to share some kind of plan with you. That will come in the next few days as we begin to talk about it. But I hope in your own life you're sensing, you know what? There is a mission. Uh, There is the message. There are the metaphors. We have the means of the Holy Spirit. There is, there is also something in me that is just longing to get back together so that I could encourage and be encouraged so that we can be a little bit of a taste of heaven. Isn't that kind of what heaven's going to be? Isn't that what happens when we get together? We say it's a little bit of a taste of heaven. Why? Because we believe there will be a day in the future where all believers come home. Where all believers gather in. And we are together there. Every tribe, tongue, and nation gathered around the throne. Giving praise to the Holy Lamb of God. So today... Let me tell you, it's worth repeating. All of these beautiful facets of the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the church. And would you today, maybe in the privacy of your heart or home, kind of um, raise the bar again, recommit again? Say again in your heart, you know what? I don't go just to a church. I, with my life, am going with a church. I'd love to hear from you if you're making that commitment. You could text our church today and let us hear of a commitment that you're making. It's real easy. It's just the numbers 31996. Put the word Sunday in there. And you'll see a reply back and you'll be able to help us know what commitments you're making today. Maybe you've trusted Christ. There's a place there where you can mark that and we can follow up. Maybe you want to join our church family. You can mark that and we can follow up. Maybe you need prayer. You can mark that and follow up. Do that right now just with your phone, 31996. And put the word Sunday in there and we'll get that. Be able to follow up with you. Let me pray for us. Father, today, would you remind us of the glorious gift that we have in being able to be a part of a body of believers that you call the gathering, the church. I pray, Lord, that it would sink in again what a glorious mission we have to be able to take the good news of Jesus to the world in the power of the Holy Spirit. And would you find us faithful? Would you energize us in a spiritual kind of way To be wholehearted in following Christ all the days of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.